Welcome back, everybody. Today I have a special guest, and he's going to be our keynote speaker next fall. He's an influencer. He has a very popular site that he's had for a number of years. He gets millions of page views. Dr. Kevin Poe, you might know him as Kevin MD. If you haven't been to that site, it's really worth visiting. It's one of those discoveries that you find and you say, I'm kind of here. I This is me. A lot of contributors in the medical field uh, from across in a broad brush stroke, uh, all of our specialties and all of our concerns. It's a good idea to kind of feel like you're, you're not trapped in this alone. There's great perspective on COVID-19. It's going to be the new norm. And the new norm is how we practice. And we're starting to see it. So if something's good come out of this, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see it. Like, I think we've just made a big leap in televisits. And we'll see where that takes us. It might even take us to the handheld version of our smartphones someday where access to care can be enhanced across the board and uh, no longer will patients have to feel like uh, they have to leave their home and it's difficult transportation. They might be elderly. They might have many uh, comorbidities or infirmities. No, they might just be able to get that phone going. And we are seeing some really good results so far in the platforms that we've got, and I'm sure those will improve. So with every, I guess, dark cloud, there eventually comes a rainbow, and maybe we'll see this COVID thing go away fairly soon. Uh, Dr. Poe has a lot of stuff on his website about COVID, and it's worth a look. So I had a great interview with him. I really appreciated him taking the time, and I look forward to spending uh, more time with him next fall and maybe re-interviewing him. He'll be on a webinar this Friday. I'm sure that the ASIP webpage will repost it. Uh, and I encourage folks to get to know him, get to know his page, get to know his activities. He's a social media expert, and uh, he is uh, a real good listen. So let's get to it. I have with me here a very distinguished physician and an entrepreneur. And if we haven't seen an entrepreneur on this show, it's because that's a rare bird, uh, like hen's teeth. They, they just don't come around much because when you think about what we do in our training as physicians, both pre-medical school and as we work our way through the miseries and joys of medical school and post-training, we are pretty much molded to a characteristic that is patient-focused, good, patient-centered, good, and we want the best for our patients. We want to do the right thing for the right reasons. Every once in a while, a very unique physician comes around that looks outside of the box, uh, jumps out of that box, and shows us some very interesting things uh, in a new way. I have on the show today a distinguished colleague that has taken that leap and has put himself out there in social media, is an expert at social media, and he is well-known. So tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. My name is Kevin Poe, and I'm an internal medicine physician. I practice in Nashua, New Hampshire, and I still uh, see patients four days a week. I'm also the founder, editor, and owner of KevinMD.com, social media's leading physician voice. And it's a platform uh, that where we can, where physicians, advanced practice practitioners, nurses, medical students, pretty much everyone within the healthcare spectrum can share their stories and insights and have those stories be heard not only on KevinMD.com, but also on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and an email newsletter because it's tremendously important for us to share these stories. And I'm looking forward to chatting about that. You you know what's interesting is uh, a lot of uh, the older physicians didn't get it until our president, our current president, came blazing in on his tweets. And we realized there's a direct platform to not only the public, but probably to our patients. So we've got some real challenging times now. I think everybody knows about COVID and where we're sitting when this uh, podcast was done. And a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear in the medical community. I can think of no better platforms than some of the larger social media for physicians to not only interact, but to have some of their anxieties uh, waylaid. And tell me your thoughts about that. How would you suggest we use social media? So before COVID-19 coronavirus, I use social media really for three ways. Because you're right, a lot of clinicians, they look at social media and all they think is, this is a way for me to get in trouble. I don't have time for this. I don't need this. I, I'm busy enough with my practice. So social media for me had three major goals. The first goal is to educate patients because more patients than ever are going online and researching health information. And did you know that more people get health information from their Facebook feed than they do from reading a newspaper? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that's, the, that's, that's really the, 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 the number one reason. The second reason is for us in healthcare to share our stories. There are a lot of issues that goes on behind the scenes that the public may not be familiar about. I talked a lot about physician burnout, which affects 50% of physicians. And these are stories that aren't necessarily publicized in mainstream media. And the third reason is for us to advocate for change. Because virus, we had to deal with healthcare reforms were being made, not necessarily from practicing clinicians, but they're being made by politicians and from policymakers without any direct patient care experience. So those are the three main reasons why I think uh, physicians should use social media. I think they're tremendously compelling. And now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, and this has, has, has come on so quickly within the last two to three weeks, those three reasons, educating patients, sharing our stories, and advocating for our profession, those really come into focus and they're needed more than ever. Well, they are. And what what fascinates me is you're an internist, and uh, you're in a, a real interesting part of the country. I mean, you're right on the edge. We're specialists, uh, anesthesia, orthopedic, neurology and all, but we, we're sharing one problem. And one problem is affecting a broad brushstroke, including specialties, including primary care. If if you had perspective or if you had heard comments in the community, what have you heard across the board? What is the common theme? 
well, several during the pandemic, these themes aren't necessarily different from what you're hearing in the media. I think the lack of personal protective equipment really is at, should be at the forefront. I'm an internal medicine physician, so I'm by no means on the front lines. I do a lot of telemedicine right now, and those doctors and nurses and medical assistants who are truly on the front lines in the emergency room and in the ICU, those are really the true healthcare heroes yeah. that uh, that yeah. uh, that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. So the themes that I'm seeing on social media, of course, is the sacrifice that these individuals are making reusing personal protective equipment and hearing their stories and hearing their pleas for more protection and for the government and their hospitals for doing to do something that is coming uh coming through loud and clear i think the second and third reasons are a little bit more under publicized Um, the second theme that i'm hearing is that doctors and nurses they're not in sync with the administrators. You're hearing stories where administrators are silencing these healthcare professionals, where you hear stories where a doctor who speaks up about the lack of personal protective Mm -hmm. equipment, they're being terminated by their hospital, they're being silenced. And that to me, especially in times of a pandemic, is simply unacceptable. So social media is a platform where these individuals can, can share their stories, whether um, they do it with their real name or do it anonymously because these are truths that need to be that need to come out. We're in the middle of a war, and we cannot be silenced when it comes to our personal safety. Um, and the third uh, under-publicized reason that I'm seeing is really the financial impact. We are not seeing patients. We are seeing right. elective procedures aren't being done in the hospitals, and that equates to a lack of revenue and we clearly have a business oriented healthcare system and if these healthcare systems aren't generating revenue they are cutting the pay of these frontline workers they are furloughing healthcare staff and at a time when they're needed the most their pay is being cut and is that incongruence that um, that I'm also seeing as well on social media. Well, it's true, and you nailed it there on a couple of points. Uh, Pamela Weeble, who is a West Coast uh, physician who deals a lot with physician stress, suicide, and the like, uh, she had a email go out today where she's very concerned about frontline physicians. But the the point being this, and I just got off the phone with somebody, if your livelihood is generated around procedures, we're not doing a and we're yeah. having to let people go. And there is nothing more hurtful than a physician who's worked with somebody for probably seven, ten years, a nurse or another colleague or something. And we got to make tough furlough decisions. And there's no answers. So getting restarted is going to be an issue for all of us. And let's face it, viruses come and go, we hope. A lot of misinformation, a lot of wrong information has hit us. And so put the crystal ball in front of you. What do you think is going to happen next 3, 12, 16 months? Well, it's difficult to say. As they say, this is a novel coronavirus, meaning that we've never dealt with anything like this before. So from what I understand, talk, uh, listening to uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci on CNN and you know on the task force briefings, uh, we have to get past this initial wave within the next two to four weeks. And under the best-case scenario – He's talking about 100,000 to 240,000 dead under the best case scenario. 
So we have to get past this initial wave first and see what the summer brings. And hopefully, they're saying some infectious disease specialists are saying in the fall there may be a second wave. But this second wave of infections, once we start opening the borders and once people start traveling again, hopefully the healthcare system will be more prepared and will have uh, better capacity when it comes to ventilators and better equipment when it comes to personal protective equipment. So there is a possibility there may be a second wave of infections. I think that it's instructive to see how this is affecting other parts of the world. And we're starting to see how this is affecting Wuhan, China, because they're about three to four months ahead of us. So what's happening there may be instrument, uh, maybe instrumental in terms of what we have to deal with uh, going forward. Um, but you're right in terms of reopening the entire economy. And it's not just physician practices. It's pretty much the whole economy. How do we open it? Do we open it incrementally? Do we open it uh, all at once. Who do we open it to? Are people who are immunosuppressed or uh, the older population? Are, do they need to be uh, socially distancing more so than people who are a little bit more healthy? So these are all questions that we need to ask ourselves. And I think that they need to take the forefront because uh, if we can't deal with the public health aspect first, then all the business questions that come later are going to be rendered moot. You're right. And there you hit it again. It's not the new norm anymore. It's an unknown norm, but let's just kind of pretend it's a new norm, and we're going to see physicians act a little more aggressively in the beginning. All of this has a cost associated with it, and I'm not sure society is ready for that cost or the change in the patient-physician relationship, and that is built on trust. So how do we get that trust back, and what do we do? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, it's it's going to be... Um incremental. It's going to be slow. I think uh, I'm in primary care. So I'm in a position where I've dealt years long relationships with my patients and they know me, whether I'm doing telemedicine, whether I'm wearing a mask, whether, um, you know, they understand certainly because I can't see them, um, you know, during these, these months. And I still have that relationship with them, uh, especially in a primary care setting, but uh, in a procedure based or specialist setting, um, certainly uh, the relationship isn't as long. So I can understand it could be a little bit difficult. So I think you're right. It's going to be a new normal, you know, and I'll be lying if I said I knew exactly what was going to happen um, in primary care. We're doing a lot of these video chats. We're doing telemedicine. So I think that if there was a silver lining to this whole COVID-19 coronavirus is that hopefully our televisit platforms, our virtual platforms will be more robust because I think that's something that we're going to need going forward because patients, not only are they going to be a little bit more apprehensive because of this virus, but I think in general, when it comes to convenience, when it comes to availability, uh, when it comes to capacity, we do need to utilize these virtual platforms more and more as patients uh, get more busy, as physicians become more busy. So there's that infectious disease part, but I still think that there's um, this is the, 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 the direction that we're going to anyway, these virtual visits. And hopefully with practices across the country utilizing these televisits and their platforms become more robust. Hopefully that's going to be some good that can come out of all of this. Yeah, I know. I I guess I mentioned this to a colleague about a month ago. If anything good comes out of this, we're going to develop virtual visits. And virtual visits really make sense because people, as we get an older population, they're not going to be as mobile. And let's face it, physicians 
and other healthcare providers can extend themselves to a much greater capacity, we always don't have to have hands-on. We always don't have to have the intimate in-room experience. And I guess at the speed of light, we've seen HIPAA relaxed. We've seen other government regulations relaxed, and that's got to be good. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a commentary. Are they really needed in the first place, right? (laughs) So uh, we are, um, you know, we're seeing a relaxation of coding requirements. We're seeing a relaxation of HIPAA. Uh, We're seeing more freedom when it comes to telemedicine. And in some ways, these are all good things. And it really does beg the question, are, is, are all these regulations really needed in the first place? And unfortunately, it takes up to really cut through that red tape. And hopefully, again, if there was a silver lining going forward, maybe those restrictions can continue to stay relaxed. What, do you, what else do you think is on its way? You know, I think that hopefully we can um, realize the, the power of social media. I think before the pandemic hit, you saw platforms like Facebook come under a lot of fire. Yeah. You had a lot of privacy concerns and you had a lot of stories that were really negative on Facebook and you see a lot of people quitting Facebook. And now you're seeing when everyone is in isolation, everyone is under stay-at-home orders, we need something a platform where we could connect virtually. And I'm not talking about just the public connecting, but even the physician community connecting because the speed of where that COVID-19 is evolving in terms of treatments, in terms of stories, in terms of symptoms, in terms of diagnostics, is just moving so quickly. And I'm in, and I'm in several private physician Facebook groups with doctors across uh, around the world, frankly, and they're each sharing their experiences. They're sharing their stories about what it's like to see patients with COVID, the symptoms that that they're presenting with. And for me, it's just tremendously instructive. And I think that a social media platform, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or blog, it's really built for a pandemic like this, where there are so many unknowns, where the speed of pretty much everything uh, associated with it is just moving so quickly. Traditional forms of media like the television, the radio and, and newspapers, they can't keep up with the speed. We do need something that is almost in real time. And I think that after this pandemic, we're going to see a greater acceptance of social media platforms uh, by the medical community because they're going to see how much or how beneficial it is during this pandemic. Uh, I agree. And if folks don't know it, the codes are going to be changing. The codes are going to allow us to bill for this stuff. And most specialists can't live by E&M alone, evaluation and management codes. We got to get back to our chosen specialty and its niche and its procedures and and it's what we do right now that all that's frozen so okay we've got some possibility of relief on the way that's getting to be a little rocky and we have to accept the fact that the new norm is not necessarily going to be easy but we have bricks and mortar whereas Social media and those giants realized bricks and mortar weren't always so great. Amazon didn't have a brick. We're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to deal with furloughed staff. We're going to have to deal with restarts and getting our patients back in. Do you have any thoughts there? So the question then becomes, how is the government going to help? I think that we are going 
like like most or every small business, they're dealing with similar issues as as we are in medicine, uh, if yeah. not more. You know, restaurants, hotels, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, they're dealing with these same issues too. Um, so the government is certainly giving some relief. I know that fourth round of of stimulus, and um, I know that uh, through various Facebook groups, they have contact with their congressional representatives. And they're expressing those same concerns that you're expressing. And I think it's, it's so important for us to share those stories because, let's be honest, before this happened, the public in general or politicians also, they don't have a lot of sympathy when it comes to the financial plight of doctors, right? There's a stereotype that yeah. doctors make a lot of money and they don't need to be bailed out. But these are grim realities that proceduralists like pain management physicians are facing. It's their livelihoods, but also the livelihoods of their staff that is at stake here because, let's face it, you guys run small businesses pretty much, and without that revenue, it's going to be impossible to run. So these need to be expressed to our congressional representatives, um, and we do so by sharing stories, let the public know what's going on, but also I do know that a lot of politicians, they, they read what's going on, on on social media, and sometimes we could get the attention of mainstream media and further amplify that message. So that really plays into one of my goals is to not only share stories, but, but translate sharing those stories into advocating for change. And um, I think by, by beating a loud enough drum, that's one of the best ways that we can do to really affect that change. Yeah, and social media is right there. I guess we're all going to have to jump down and you know get off our perch and 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 learn this stuff. How 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 can we learn it? We're a little older, most most of us. How can we learn social media? What do we need to do? So you always start with the goals. Um, so I think when it comes to sharing your stories, one of the easiest way is uh, you can certainly go to my site at kevinmd.com, and okay. I I accept physician stories and getting about fifty to seventy stories a day that I have to go through and oh, edit. Geez. These are tremendously visceral stories about what's going on behind the scenes that the public may not be aware of. So that's certainly one way to do it, uh, going through my site and. I publicize it on not only my site, but also on my you know Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn platforms. And there's like half a million people who follow on those platforms. And that's, that's number one. And then I guess number two is that if you're interested in sharing those stories, I think right now Facebook has the most relevance. So if you have a Facebook profile, um, you can certainly share what's going on behind the scenes. And, and someone may pick up on that message and amplify it. So um, I think there are, there are a lot of ways to, to really get involved. But I think that it all comes down to sharing stories. And um, I think that if you talk to me long enough, I'm such a big believer in stories. Like if yeah, you want yeah, to persuade people and if you want to get your message across, it has to be done in the setting of sharing a story. How is it affecting you? How is it affecting your patients? How is it affecting your employees? And once you have that emotional connection that you could only get through a story, I think that's, that, that is the most powerful step that you can make when, if, if you want anything, anything to happen. Yeah, your site is tremendous with that stuff. I read a lot of those stories. You, you brought up physician burnout. This is not helping. And I know we have to have resources to go to so kevin md's one of them and read that we're not alone really do you have a story that comes to mind just one that jumps out at you well i think we talked a a little bit about it during this uh conversation here about all those uh physicians who not only have to uh, they're wondering whether their practices are going to survive from a financial standpoint for me 
because I'm a parent myself and I have two young daughters, 14 and 10 years old, actually, no, 11 years old, and then my younger daughters, I get it right, right? (laughs) But the stories that affect me the most are the other physician parents, the physician parents who are emergency room doctors, and they're on the front lines, and they don't have any personal protective equipment, and they have to they get like one N95 mask to use every two weeks or something like that. And they have to go home and they have to worry about yeah. infecting their families. Boy, uh, what happens if their partner gets infected? And I hear stories is that these doctors are writing their wills for the first time That's and so they have young kids at home. Jeez. So these are the stories that affect me the most because I'm by no means on the front line, but it could just as easily happen to me if I get sick. I wonder, am I going to pass it on to my wife? What's going to happen? You're here because we don't know. You you hear young young people, healthy people, they get intubated because of the coronavirus. And we have a mortality rate of 70% because mm-hmm. of COVID-19. So I'm getting a lot of those stories on my site. And uh, those are the ones that, that really impact me the most. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on board today and giving us some of your thoughts. We're looking forward to you as a keynote speaker for our annual meeting that we had to postpone because of this bad bug. And it's going to be in September. You'll be on a webinar, I believe, next week as well, with the ASIPP.org website. Yep, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking more with your members. I'm looking forward to keynoting your conference on Labor Day weekend. And uh, I'll talk about my social media journey and really how physicians, no matter what specialty they are, how they can use uh, social media to make a difference in healthcare. So certainly looking forward to that. Yeah, we're looking forward to that as well. We do a lot of advocacy in Washington. We'd love to have you come along. And any parting thoughts, any final thoughts, something I haven't asked or you'd want to tell our listeners? No, really, is is just stay safe. I think we are in the midst of a time of crisis is unlike anything in the past century. We are taking it one day at a time. Yeah. And anything I talk about in terms of, you know, social media and 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 things that that really that really should stay in the background. It's really just about staying safe, staying at home, um, getting through the next few weeks because this is such this is an existential crisis. And I, I implore all your whoever's listening to this podcast just to take care of themselves, take care of their families. Please uh, stay safe and stay indoors. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on. And as we look forward to you speaking to our group, which is a fantastic meeting that's coming up, we wish you safety for you and your family. And I'm going to check out some social media. Kevin MD, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic, and I appreciate so much Kevin coming on. Kevin MD, go visit it. I've followed that site for a long time. The stories are compelling, and they're real to us. It's worth taking a look. Once again, thank you.